Hello, folks, and welcome to the Sense and Theory podcast, where we cut through the bias and extremism in order to find the common ground that brings us together. I'm Sense. And I'm Theory, and that is a very important part of the tagline today, the common ground that brings us together. In today's episode, we're going to take a long, hard look at the nature of that common ground, because today we're going to talk about ethno-nationalism. Ethno-nationalism is one of those ideas that I want to say we've pretty thoroughly dismissed in modern society, but that's not really how it works. We often stress the importance of folks being able to hold civil conversations with one another on things they disagree about. While we feel it's necessary for the progress of society in a number of ways, none may be more important than ensuring that a climate exists where bad ideas can be exposed, addressed, and rebuffed whenever they rear their heads. Because they will rear their heads time and time again. Whenever there is fear, uncertainty, or adversity, bad ideas we fooled ourselves into thinking defeated will dust themselves off, don a fresh updated look, and attempt to offer their alluring simplicity to assuage the concerns of the frustrated and overburdened. We can't effectively dispose of a pernicious idea like ethno-nationalism by turning a blind eye to its promulgation or by smugly dismissing and chastising those wooed by its song. Because the disenfranchised have little patience for nuance, the disaffected have little cause for hope, and the dehumanized have scant incentive to choose the cold comfort of logic over the warm embrace of acceptance. As is the case, and always will be, the most effective way to combat an idea like ethno-nationalism is to tackle it head-on, address it openly and honestly, and lay its flawed premises bare for the world to see. So today... We're going to talk about ethno-nationalism. We are. And when preparing for this episode, uh, I actually waded through a whole lot of white nationalist content on YouTube. And I'll say my recommendations are completely tanked. It's it's over for me on YouTube for like the next year. Um, But I think it's interesting to note that like Facebook has already pulled white nationalist content. I think Twitter has uh, has banned a bunch of white nationalists. And um, they said they're looking into how much farther they want to go. With how it. much farther they want to go, exactly. Um, and and it bugs me. And it doesn't bug me because the ideas are going to be gone. Well, <laughs> it does, but in an offhanded way. It was really easy for me to get an understanding of of the white nationalists out there mm-hmm. because their ideas were, as you said, laid bare for the world to see on YouTube. So right. when I'm preparing to argue against white nationalism, I need to hear their most sound and effective arguments in order right. to rebut them. Right. And and having that content available on YouTube made it really easy. I, yeah. could, I found all of the key players who, who are at the tops of these organizations that are promoting it, and and I could give you their arguments and and address them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really important, man, uh, because because how do you change this? How do you fix this problem? Like ignoring them, they're not going away. Right. Um, silencing them, they just go underground, and it and it builds uh, in a place where you can't address it until it pops up in places like uh, um, you know shootings. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, and- no, I mean it, it's way more effective to be able to take you know somebody like Jared Taylor, or, you know any of the other prominent ethno nationalists. Here's their views on a YouTube video, and we can address it right here instead right. of those happening at meetings that none of us will ever hear about, and their numbers swelling. You know, let's let's have this discussion right smack out in the open. And it's and it's super counterintuitive. It it really is a counterintuitive approach because you want to say just just get rid of the bad stuff, just right. just get rid of it. Yeah. Um. But 
it's not going to work in this case. I think the only way that we can effectively rid the world um, of poor ideas like this is to counter them repeatedly, openly, often, and strongly. So that's yeah. what we're going to try to do today with this episode. Yeah. So I think first off, we got to start out. We got to ask, what is ethno-nationalism? Well, the easy answer is it's a form of nationalism where the nation is defined in terms of ethnicity. But <laughs> and that opens the whole can of worms, right? Because yeah. that begs the question, what is ethnicity? Right. So an ethnic group or ethnicity is a category of people who identify with each other based on similarities such as common ancestry, language, history, society, uh, culture, or nation. And, you know, just to give some examples, if we're talking about ethnic groups, we could be talking about things as diverse as an ethno-linguistic group like French Canadians, mm. an ethno-religious group like Christians, or an ethno-racial group like African Americans. So obviously, if you have nationalism, if you have a, a belief in, in nation and, you know, that nation is important, there is going to be a component uh, that deals with ethni ethnicity, no matter what, you, again, whether we're talking about language or we're talking right. about religion, shared beliefs. Um, but ethno-nationalism uh, takes it a little bit further. They kind of hone in on this one thing, and ethno-nationalists uh, base the membership of the nation on descent or heredity, often articulated in terms of common blood, kinship, or most problematically, race. Right. So what exactly, you know, what does all that mean in English, Right. Ethno-nationalists want a world in which we enforce or at the very least maintain racial and cultural segregation between nations. It's the belief in homeland, Japan for the Japanese, Turkey for the Turks, etc. and so on. Furthermore, they believe in restricting the rights and privileges granted to ethnic minorities within a country in order to ensure the preservation of the ethnic majority's culture and power within the nation. For example, they want to institute immigration restrictions restricting or outright eliminating voting rights. And don't forget, you know, I wanted to point out a perfect example. We've talked about the classes for Danish citizenship where you don't get welfare benefits if you're a, a refugee or an immigrant unless you send your kids to Danish classes. Right, re-education camps. So that's exactly what we're talking about. We're talking about a group of people afraid that the majority culture is going to be lost by, you know, taking on all these immigrants and everything. So they're, they're wanting to institute laws and, and uh, uh, policies that will protect that majority culture, basically at all costs. Right. So when you hear all that, you're like, well, theory, why didn't you just say racism? <laughs> <laughs> that's where it gets a little bit muddy because the problem with ethno-nationalism is it affords an out to those who seek to mask their racism. Or honestly, you know, some people can't stomach the thought that they are racist. They, they hold these beliefs, but they don't think it's racist. That's right. And, and Jared Taylor, who is, is one of the, the most prominent faces of, of white nationalism, I think, in the world— um, I think he's the head of, of Identity Europa, um, which is a huge, uh, a, a huge white nationalist group. And I say huge. Um, it is probably the biggest white nationalist group. I don't know how many members they have, but I don't think we're approaching like, you know, millions of members or anything right, like right, that. Right. But uh, Jared Taylor, when asked whether his ideas were just hiding a deep seated racism, uh, he laughs and he says, well, I might not be eloquent on my reply uh, as if. He might take some kind of insult to, to being called a racist. Um, but if I were to maintain civility, well, you're calling me a name. And when you're reduced to name calling, that's the most graceless way of admitting you've lost the argument. 
And I say to Jared Taylor, you smug, racist dick, <laughs> because when you take a hard look at, at ethno-nationalism, I don't care if it's black nationalism or white nationalism or any form of nationalism that coalesces around the idea of race, right. um, there's no separating it from racism. And, and the idea that, that white nationalists have all of a sudden had, had this, I, I think it's a response to, to calling everyone a racist, right? So, right? so now it's like, oh, it's the worst thing in the world to be called a racist, and I don't hate other cultures, yeah. um, therefore I'm not a racist, uh, and if you call me a racist, you've lost the argument. It's like yeah. it's like this shield, this this magical shield wall they want to put up in yeah. front of it. And and if a rose, you, you know, a rose is still a rose by any other name. Well, you're still a racist. Well, that's the thing. That's where you know we have to be careful because on the show we've talked about people using the term racist too freely, right? Yeah. Well, they do have a point in that there are people who are going to try to hide behind that, and Jared Taylor is one of them, right? So so. When we say you're throwing around racist too freely, he's going to try to slide in behind that and be like, yeah, they're calling me a racist, man. That's crazy. (laughs) And no, Jared Taylor, you're, you're a racist. Yeah. And I think it's up to the, I think it's up to people who kind of see the overreaches and I use the left real loosely, but the overreaches of, of, of the left with their cries of, of racism. I think it's up to the people who recognize that to make sure we swing the hammer back the other way and go, yeah. well, no, that really is racist. Yeah. yeah. Like here, you know, yeah. here it is. And I, th- I think we do a pretty good job of doing that on the show. I mean, um, I hope anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess if we, there was any doubt after this episode, <laughs> there's not going to be any. Well, you know, in the ethno nationalism, again, is an idea that I would like to say that we had moved past, but you know, you can't deny that it is gaining traction in circles. You know, I'm still, very much so of the opinion that we're talking about a, a fringe minority, you know, to an extent. Uh, the same as, you know, when we talk about the hard leftists, you know, or the all, I mean, you know, this is all right shit. I think it's a fringe minority, although I will say I've got people inside of my social circle um, that yeah. I've recently found out hold hold white nationalist beliefs. And I'm flabbergasted, right. honestly. So, so the key is it is gaining traction. And how do they do that, Right. Well, it's because they make these arguments that attempt to cast ethno-nationalism as not a racist thing. Like, for instance, an ethno-nationalist would say that their belief doesn't stem from racism because they don't harbor any hate or animosity towards other ethnic groups. So basically they're saying, hey, look, you know, Japan is largely for Japanese people and, and I'm good for them. I'm just saying... Why can't our country be that way as well? America is good for white people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so we need and to so protect our, our our majority. But see, the thing is, is that, you know, we've been very definitive about like what the definition of racism is. And hate does not necessarily need to be present for the discrimination on the basis of race to occur. And I don't see how you can call ethno-nationalism anything else but discrimination, discrimination. on the basis of race. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Um, I, anytime that you're going to discriminate over arbitrary characteristics, um, you instantly begin to take on ideas of other and ideas of less than, I mean, if you're saying that, you know, I can't mix with them because, you know, the things that we like to do don't fit well with the things that they like to do. Well, you believe in the things that you like to do, right? So, so automatically you're saying that they're going about it the wrong way. You know well, what I well, mean? Well, sure. The, like you're beginning to create this other group that's less than yours. Well, it's built in. The, the core belief is that your whiteness needs to be protected from, from the non-white, all of the non-white. It, 
It's like all non-whites are inherent threat off the jump. And to me, that's it's racist. I, I, yeah. There's no other way to put it. Um, I mean, look at an obvious group that that I would say, sure, is a threat to American culture, ISIS. If we take the step that ethno-nationalists take and say all Middle Easterners are ISIS, yeah. you're, you're racist. Absolutely. Like, you're ignoring the fact that there are plenty of people who belong to these groups who are not all of the things you're afraid of. Even yeah. if there are some of the people in that group who are the things you're afraid of. You, yeah. you you can't apply that to to individuals in a group. It's nothing but an average. It's and nothing. That's, that's what's really interesting is that you know this idea it 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 we well, it catches traction on the right, which is crazy to me because I'm told repeatedly from the right and and as someone who leans right, I believe that we shouldn't judge people collectively. That we shouldn't you know uh, uh, collectivism should be restrained right because anytime that you start uh, trying to do things for the group at large then you're going to fail. You have to deal with people on a merit basis individually, one by one. But then here it is. Here's all these people who usually, typically, find themselves on the right completely dismissing that whole idea and saying this entire group can be judged like this based on that. Right. You know what I mean? It, right. it gets insane. It's, it's pretty insane to me. If you think a man's race or ethnicity determines his character, worth, morals, values, et cetera, et cetera, you are a racist, yeah. flat out. Uh, no, no stepping back from that. And and these people, particularly ethno nationalists, will throw out um, you know scientific stats and facts and figures uh, to try to justify their racism and say, oh no, it's science. It's it's not racism. Uh, they'll pull black crime statistics, uh, wealth figures between the races, uh, the I- IQ discrepancy between races, um, and 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 hold them up as evidence. Of, of of genetic differences between races, right? Uh, and 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 just kind of leave it hanging, like, well, I'm not saying one's superior. I'm just saying I don't think <laughs> they belong with us. Not because they're inferior. This study found this, and it's going to continue to happen. And see, man, that is symptomatic of a larger disease that we have in society right now. It, it's just as wrongheaded to take black crime statistics and say that they are solely attributable to race as it is to say that they're solely attributable to racism. But that's what we do we, in this, in this partisan environment, we snatch up scientific data and we, we hold it out and we say, this is the kill shot. You know, my agenda Ooh. is correct. Look at this, look at this data. Let's you're right. IQ gets held up a, a lot. A lot. Right? Well, let's take the IQ studies, right? What do they actually say? Like, especially if you're looking at the work of Douglas Murray, who is a, a central figure to that whole debate, right? This study, basically, it identified a disparity between racial groups in regard to IQ. That's that's all it did. To it average didn't IQ. Say, yeah, to average IQ. It didn't say that race is the reason there's a discrepancy, nor does it say that race predicts or dictates those discrepancies will always exist. It doesn't really say anything other than this thing exists, but it's being held up. All of a sudden there's causation and, oh, well, obviously it's because of genetics and race and all this thing. And it's just silly, and the, man. The funny thing to me is that it, none of that matters. To me, none of that matters. I don't care if if Asian people have 30-point lower average IQ uh, than than you know, the next smartest quote unquote race. Right. It doesn't matter to me for one. Uh, like you said, you're ignoring every environmental step on right. the way to IQ diet, 
um, uh, sun exposure, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where, where you grew up. Um, uh, yeah. Geographical regions like have so much more impact on, on how we develop and everything than education, than does, uh, uh, like how your, how your culture was influenced by outside cultures. There's just, the, they're, they're legion. The, yeah. The amount of factors that go into something like IQ are legion. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so by saying, oh, it's just, it's just the way it is, shrug, yeah. is a really intellectually dishonest and simple way uh, to go about looking at, at the world. For two, white nationalists, you guys don't hold IQ up as a standard in any other area of life. Do you, do you ask your friends what their IQ is? And if their IQ is 80, you're like, nah, I'll pass. If someone's going to move into your white neighborhood and their son has an IQ of 76, are you going to turn him away from your neighborhood? Is the neighborhood association going to keep him out? Yeah. Right. I is mean, is no. that so, so to hold up IQ as like a measure of value for someone's worth is, is disingenuous because you don't do it anywhere else until you're trying to keep the brown people out. Right. Like, think about that. If you're if you're leaning on the fence, white nationalist out there listening to this, think about that good and hard, and be honest with yourself about what that argument means for you. Yeah. And and when people when people call you a racist for bringing up IQ stats in arguments, it's because you're being racist about it. Yeah. It's it's yeah. it's not because the the fact exists and you're sharing the fact. It's because you're making value assumptions about individuals based on a stat about the yeah. average. See, that's actually what's interesting. There is like, like I said, there's this whole controversy, especially around Douglas Murray. And that's one of the things that I always found interesting is that a lot of people can't understand why there is a challenge to what Murray found. And it's like, it's because of what you're doing with it. Right. So when I heard about Murray's, you know, findings or whatever, I was like, Oh, well, why is that? You know, let, let's find out why that is. Right. What are what are the factors that could be? What can we do to to offset that? What can we? And and I also started to question like IQ. Well, you know how important is IQ really? But that's how, not that's how culturally not, biased is I is an IQ test. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's another. So there are people who say that that Douglas Murray is racist for even having gone and studied it, and I don't agree with that position either. Right? That's silly. Right? Science is science. We we find science. Yeah, it's, go it's get how the data. We let's look at it. it. Yeah, get the data. But but the racism comes in in how we interpret the data. It's our fault. You know what I mean? <laughs> like right. don't don't blame the numbers. And and they'll always they'll always tell you, you know, oh what, you don't believe there are genetic differences between humans? And and I gotta say, like, yes, there are genetic differences between groups of humans. Yeah. Absolutely. That's the way genetics works. Right. We we pass on the responses to our environment genetically. Um, but when when we look at something like like IQ, it's it's being so short. So for a perfect example, eleven year old Iranian girl just tested with the highest IQ possible. Right, eleven year old Iranian girl. To 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 let you know why that's important, Iran has an average IQ of eighty three. Hong Kong tops the list at one hundred eight, and the smartest girl, the, the the highest IQ test in the world, didn't come out of Hong Kong, playa. Right, it came out of eighty three. Yeah. And I ran an right. average IQ of 83. My point is that that to assume that an average in the face of the, the chaos of creation um, versus the, the nice ordered world of the environment, the known ordered world of the environment, the chaos of creation uh, inserts spikes everywhere. It's random. Yeah. Like you're, you're 
just because you start with a decent average doesn't mean you're not going to end up with the smartest girl in the world. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. if you use IQ, crime statistics, wealth, or literally any other piece of data in the world to try and prove some sort of hierarchy among the races, you're you're ignorant. You you are losing sight of of the possibilities that make humans valuable. It completely mm. robs the individual of freedom and agency, and it's dangerous and it's racist to the to the very core. Well, see, they're going to tell you it isn't. They're they're going to say no, it's 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 not racism. The ethno-nationalist wants to wants to say it's really race is just an extended family. And there's nothing wrong with showing preference for your family, are you? That's, that's all we're saying. Well, this this fails on a on a number of levels, all right? This this argument. Um for one, we aren't talking about things at the family level, right? When we're talking about somebody at the family level showing preference for their family, most of the time we're talking about like acts of agency. Like I'm going to ensure that my family is fed, right? Yeah, I'm going to go it, get a job and bring but, home the bacon. Yeah, but at no point there are we exerting power over anyone else necessarily. You know what I mean? Even saying that, we have nepotism laws because <laughs> we think it's wrong to show undue preference to your family. Fair enough. Right? We we think the and 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 the whole idea is flawed to begin with because you're hard pressed. And we've talked about this going all the way back, I think it was episode 16 when we talked about race. You are hard pressed to demonstrate why you necessarily hold a deeper connection to a white Ukrainian rather than Asian Americans. Or or even show me that you have a deeper connection to white Californians that you've never met than your Hispanic coworker that you've worked alongside for five years. Mm. You know, there was there was a famous thing, uh, uh, kind of a, it wasn't a study, it was just an analysis that they did. Um, James Watson, who, you know, won a Nobel Prize for helping to develop uh, the, the double helix formation of, of DNA. Um, turns out he's he's got some pretty ethno-nationalist views himself. He's got some shaky views. And he had had his genome mapped in the early part of the 2000s when they were mapping genomes. And after it came to light that, you know, he had said, you know, this or that. Um, what do you mean, this or that took, racist? He said, <laughs> racist yeah, stuff? I can, well, I'll be honest with you. I can't remember how racist. I don't, I don't want to be too hard on James Watt, but he said some questionable things. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Um, but they took his genome and they compared it to another uh, genome of a another scientist of European descent, and they compared it to another scientist from Korea. Well, get this. The two guys of European descent had more in common with the Korean man than they did with each other. All right? The idea <laughs> that you – you know, it's like I said that day when we did that episode. The idea that you have – any more in common with a guy living in California uh, as a white man with a guy living the white Californian than you do with an Asian Kentuckian if you're us is 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 insane man it just breaks down race does not hold up like that we are not a family any more than the human race is a family right and 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 to let Jared Taylor tell it he goes well humans are the species and and races are like the subspecies. And and it makes sense to just take care of your subspecies. And I'm like, why, why do you why do you stop there? Why stop <laughs> it at subspecies? Yeah. Like you're not gonna you're not gonna narrow into uh, to to family genetics, like literal family blood ties. Yeah, yeah. Like why are we not going super micro level? Or on conversely, why are we not traveling up to the macro level and saying all of humans are the same family? Yeah, like that's right. largely where I'm at. Maybe it's because my family is incredibly diverse. You know, half of yeah. my family's Mexican. 
Half of the family I've chose, the people I love are black. Like, yeah. I can't imagine this world that people want to live in without those connections. Right. No, it's, I, I'm flabbergasted. It's it's pure. And to try to couch that and hide it behind. I mean, that 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 is a deceptive tactic. You know what I mean? That, that, that all of these arguments really boil down to deceptive tactics. They want you to think, oh, it's just a sense of family. It's a sense of community. It's a sense of. And you know, there's, and everyone else has it. So why can't we? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, for instance, you know, they want to argue that it's actually a respect and appreciation of other cultures that leads them to think this way. It's they want to preserve their culture, but they also want to preserve the the Japanese culture just as much. You know, that's the idea. And I've heard the argument that you know, it's again, it's not really hate towards any one group. All groups are great at their respective talents, but all groups are talented differently. No. But the problem is they simply can't function mixed. Well, the problem with that argument is, is that if you take it at face value, then the most well-rounded and talent-rich group would be a multicultural one. But you're saying that it's not worth the effort <laughs> because we've all got different sky daddies and chopsticks are weird. <laughs> like, it's ludicrous, man. Yeah, it's, it's ludicrous to say, oh, well, the Germans are great engineers and, and the Asians are great at math. And, and, you know, I respect their cultures and I want them to have their culture. I want us to all form up like Voltron and be the best we can be. <laughs> right. What happened to optimal? You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I tell you, Jared Taylor does not give a mm -hmm. damn about optimal. And, and, and I keep using Jared Taylor because he's like, he's kind of the head of this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he was asked about the imbalance between retirees versus like a small workforce. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he says, there are lots of things we can do. Uh, we can raise the retirement age. Uh, he says, we would rather figure that out for ourselves than be replaced by people unlike ourselves. And and that dude does not speak for me, man. Why? He's like, let's cut off our nose to spite our face. Yeah. Make our workers work till they're 90. Yeah. That's fine. No, we just don't want brown people to come do the job. I don't want a Pakistani with an IQ of 110 to come to this, do this job because he's Pakistani. Yeah. It, it, no, their, their, their arguments are the argument for ethno nationalism is weak. So it immediately starts getting cloaked in all this bullshit to try to cover it up, but it, it doesn't work very quickly. You see it, just like you said, we're, we're cutting off our nose despite our own face. And then, uh, the next, the next one that gets trotted out is, well, why do you want to impose our values on other cultures? Right. Like, you know, we shouldn't go around imposing our values on other cultures. Like, so why should we let Japan, them impose on ours? Yeah. Japan. Well, that's, that's what's implied, but we don't say that. We don't lead out with that. We say, if we're going to build a multicultural society, that's going to require us to impose our values on uh, Japan or, or, you know, China, Brunei, you name it. And now they're going to have to be like us and all that stuff. I, I know that it's, it's, it's a false dichotomy. That's not the choice. Uh, in my sincere view, I don't think that we should impose our values on another culture, but at the same time, I'm also not a cultural relativist. So while I won't impose my values on another culture through force, I will stand for the values that I believe are right and judge others in accordance with those values. Sure. So I, you know, I've seen this argument come up mainly in relation to immigration. It runs, it runs something like this. Should we immigrate en masse to other countries and attempt to change the way they do things or try to subvert their, their culture? 
Well, no, because I don't think we should weaponize immigration anytime soon. But if the question you're asking me is, if I found myself as an immigrant to another culture that didn't hold the same values that I did, for instance, you know, back in the religion episode, we talked about Brunei and how they've recently doubled down on Sharia and all that stuff. So let's use Brunei for a second. If I found myself as an immigrant to Brunei, um, should I stand up for the values that I've always supported? Well, of course I should, man. Hell yeah. I mean, are you really saying that you don't want to impose your will on other cultures? You don't, you don't, you wouldn't go to another country and stand up for what you think is right. Magically, all of a sudden, because I live in Brunei, I'm okay with stoning gay people. <laughs> like, you know, all of a sudden it just everything goes out the Here, window. Pick up a rock, man. No, no man, that's not it, the way it works. It's our job to advocate for our values, and the same goes for those who hold values that oppose ours. So that's one of the core liberal ideals. Is that, that the good that, values, the, the worthwhile yeah. values, the valuable, if you will, values will win? Yeah, they will bubble to the top. And sometimes they don't. You know, I'll, I'm, I'm first to admit that. But at the same time, like, that's why I don't fault. I don't, you know, again, going back to our religion episode, I don't necessarily fault somebody for coming here and saying, I firmly believe in Sharia. It's our job to say, hey, we don't think Sharia is really compatible with what we're doing. You know, I mean, I, I can I can, I can, give you this, but I can't yeah. give you that, you know. And we kind of hash it out and we find a place in the middle that works and is optimal for everybody. Now, if you're unwilling to do that, if you're unwilling to change one iota either way, then you're not, like I said, you're not subscribing to the very liberal ideals right. that supposedly we're setting out to protect. Freedom and justice <clears throat> for all. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's really funny that the, the the issue of imposing our values on other cultures comes up even to begin with, because if we're talking about ethno-nationalism and we're and we're following it through logically, then pretty quickly we get into a question <laughs> of how exactly are you going to enforce ethno-nationalism? Right, and and the soft sell that that white nationalists offer is that no one has to force their will on anyone, right? Because white people just naturally want to live with white people. Black people naturally want to live with black people. Uh, and if we just let them, you know, there, it, it'll be fine. There we go, twisting that science again. Right, if we just let them. And I, this argument, it's it's designed to lure in people who believe in freedom and liberty because uh, it's incompatible. Freedom and liberty is is incompatible with, with white nationalism, ethno-nationalism. So you have to you have to make a twist somewhere. You have to get past that cognitive dissonance, right? Right, right. And, and it's a siren song because how are you ever going to enforce racial purity? Uh, well, it starts by allowing housing discrimination. So I can mm -hmm. keep my white neighborhood white. You can keep your black neighborhood black. Um, and, and, and who can stop me? Because, you know, it's my God-given right to live among my people. Yeah, we just really want to associate with our own kind. Right. What happens when Jerry down the street marries a black girl? Right. Or how about lots of folks in yeah. your neighborhood start marrying black girls and having little black babies? What are you what yeah. are you gonna do then? And 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 ethno-nationalist core beliefs dictate that they have to promote a white majority. Like that is the core tenet. And how are they gonna do it with the barrel of a government gun? Yeah. The way we enforce all laws and regulations in this country. Right. You your your core belief wants to enforce a racial majority at the barrel of government guns. Yeah. And and that, sir, is not compatible with any of the ideals I hold as an American. Right. None the, of the valuable ones. The exact same people who strongly support the Second Amendment 
and you know believe in free markets and don't want to see government coercion and stuff because they're afraid marketplace of ideas because they're afraid of government guns are advocating a policy that you can only enforce through the use of government guns right because it again those labels they don't hold up so so while you you know give them credit there's some studies i believe that show that people uh you know at least right now have a tendency to segregate but we don't know that that's always going to be the case i'm pretty sure we're trending away from yeah, that I think we're in fact i saw that. numbers this morning on reddit actually just tooling around that uh you know uh interracial marriages are shooting through the roof yep you know, so I, I don't expect that to always be the case, but you're saying that oh, it's some people do this, so we're going to enforce it on everyone. That's the place. <laughs> if some people want to go and, and and do that and freely associate with who they want to associate with, I'm I'm not, I'm not gonna you know you know what? to an no, extent I am because I'm, I'm not I don't want to allow housing discrimination. Well, you no, know what no, I'm no, saying? No, like, no, that's yes, yeah, free, but enough. they can't ever freely do it. Is yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah, like you can't. You, well. I'm saying if you only want to go to a white church, yeah. you are free to only go to a white are church. Are you free to turn away black people from that church? Are you free to turn because away black, they're black people from that church? No, of course not. Actually, no, I think you are legally. What? Yeah, legally, I would say a church can reject uh, can reject members. Yeah. I mean, there's there's discrimination laws. Yeah, but I don't think it covers churches, man. Wow. I mean, yeah, I could be wrong. That's one for beans, though. <laughs> but at any rate... Um, Let's so I, I think we have pretty well established that despite the the sheep's clothing that they'll try to wear and what they'll try to tell you, ethno nationalism is racist. You know I what mean, I'm going to tell them? I'm going to tell them just just go just go over to a, to a white nationalist country. You know we don't want your kind. <laughs> that what they, that's what they tell. If you don't like yeah. it, just move away. Go ahead, find one. the The question becomes: racism aside, are the concerns that ethno nationalists are, are trying to address are they valid? Or any of them, right? So the first thing that you have to ask is what aspects of culture and heritage are we talking about being destroyed? And in what sense is it a certainty that it will be? And <laughs> what are we talking about? Are we talking about white weddings? Are we talking about golf? Are we talking <laughs> about like mowed lawns and 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 white picket fences? What yeah. what is what is the cultural marker that is in danger of of disappearing that you're so afraid of well, what is so weak in the face of in the face of islam that you're afraid of losing like I, <laughs> well that's the thing is because i i don't think any of that e okay even if we were to say that white weddings and lawn care and golf and country music and all that stuff if that is white culture right what part of that is genetic dependent like what says that if we allow uh you know uh immigrants uh whether we're talking about mexican immigrants or you know middle eastern immigrants to come to the country that country music automatically disappears right <laughs> like it, it's it's a fallacious argument because none of those things are on the chopping block if we begin to intermarry and have multicultural societies i mean if they're shitty practices yes they'll go the way of the dodo right you know but i mean but that's what will take out those practices not uh, you know, all of a sudden our genetic makeup is such that we can't enjoy country music. That is, that is an absurd fucking argument, man. Like I, white weddings are, are being exported to China. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I no. read a big piece about well, it. Well, so the question becomes, is it useful to view ethnic cultures as ethnic cultures, right? Like if none of that stuff is dependent on genetics, 
should we really be doubling down on on viewing these things as as linked to genetics, right? And it, it, it's a, it's a tough question to answer because on one hand, you have people like ethno nationalists that want to say that it's it's of course linked to who we are. Our culture is linked to our race and our genetics and all that stuff. On the other hand, you have minority cultures, and to sit there and say that race has nothing to do with right. uh, with a culture, you know, I'm sure they wouldn't appreciate it. When we're talking it, about know? cultural appropriation and, and right. whether a Mexican's taco recipe belongs to to Mexico, you know, or yeah. Mexicans. So there is there is this, you know, this impetus in society to make sure that minority cultures and subcultures in general don't get stomped out by the majority culture. So what we're seeing is that fear start to take root mm. for the ethno-nationalists. So is it a valid concern right now? And if we say that culture isn't tied to, you know, ethnicity, that these are things that we all agree upon and, and that one person can agree with that as well as any other, regardless of race, I, aren't we buying, aren't we playing into the colorblindness trope? I think we have to look at it kind of in context because in a multicultural society, I think moving to a place like America the, the great melting pot, if you want to take it back to, to Schoolhouse Rocks, right. you have to forego, you have to give up parts of, of your ethnic identity to join in. That's the way I say it. When you're talking about freedom and, and, and it, for all, those, those magic right. words, for all, you, you give up part of that. And, and people will probably criticize me and say, oh, you want to erase ethnic culture. And, you know, you want to erase. No, I don't. Um but I, I strongly believe that we can function together, regardless of the color of our skin, regardless of of you know who our who our parents had sex with, right. um, regardless of our heritage, our lineage, or or our origins. I think we can preserve the things that matter, and if they matter, they will be preserved. Yeah. Um, but I, to 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 view it as if they belong, <laughs> you know, any cultural thing belongs to an ethnicity is is just weird to me because yeah. throughout history that's not the way it works. Right. It's not. You 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 borrow things from your neighbors and and cultures migrate as people migrate. And and I think it's only recently that we've started to really like get into the nuance of what that means. And it's because we're in the in the beginnings of multicultural society yeah. at large, right? Well, I, I remember mean, to to kind of to try to put like a fine point on that. I remember once having a discussion with somebody who was, you know, in support of ethno-nationalist ideas, and they said something to the effect of, um, I have a deeper connection to say, you know, as a white man to William the Conqueror than a Pacific Islander ever will. And my question is why? Like, are you saying that Pacific Islanders are incapable of appreciating or achieving the things that William the Conqueror did? I mean, I understand that, like, if you are able to firmly establish, which is, you know, it's a hell of a chore, but if you are able to firmly establish that William the Conqueror is in your ancestry, that maybe you feel a direct connection to <laughs> William the Conqueror, but short of that, why can't we, you know, as human beings appreciate what William the Conqueror did. And I'm not saying that we should actually necessarily appreciate what <laughs> William the Conqueror did, but I'm just, you know, just taking that argument for what it was. And so I think that becomes the question. And while I do see that as if you have a, a white majority culture that tends to absorb things and pull it to 
that aspect and kind of erase the uniqueness of a minority culture, that that is a cause for concern, right? If, if you know, we, uh, I think oftentimes you'll hear people on the left talk about like white beauty standards mm. and, and stuff like that. So that is something that you have to watch that you don't in trying to assimilate, but that's not really assimilation. That's not, that's not a melting pot at that point. That's everything being pulled to a pole. Well, and, and I think and, and it's a different type of thing. I think you're talking about like white beauty standards and stuff. That's in the face of racism. Like that's in the face of 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 the people on the other extreme who who think black hair is ugly, right? right. I think a, a multicultural society drops that pretense and right. no longer believes that 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 black hair is ugly, right? right, I, right. I mean, and I think I, I, I don't know about you, but uh, most of the people I know. They're not racists. So yes, they think black women are beautiful and they think natural black hair is beautiful. Right. I think we're not far enough into, um, you know, progressing beyond ethno-nationalism and, and, and racism in general, the fear of people who are different. I don't think we're far enough beyond that to like, to, to be in the utopian place where it is kumbaya and we're all holding hands. Yeah. Like there's still people who don't get it. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. We can't completely drop the ethnic components of race, right? Race does still have an impact, I, I would say, on culture. But we can't say that culture is defined by race. I, mm. I, I don't think so. And I think that ultimately, like when we progress, you know, as a species, it will be because we've accepted that as as it's true. You know, I think that's one of the things that will help move us along is that, you know, culture is cold. I mean, again, it has more to do with the geographic region than it does with your skin color. You right. know, it's it's just kind of silly. That leads us to what exactly are we talking about when we're talking about white culture, right? Because when the ethno-nationalists make the argument that white culture is in danger, I instantly see them rattle off a clear, concise description of Western culture. As if, as if Western culture is owned by whiteness, right? Yeah, therein like, lies the rub, right? So because whites have historically been the largest ethnic uh, group within Western culture, what part of white culture isn't Western culture? But then on the other hand, do whites solely own Western culture? <laughs> and, no. And it's ludicrous. Yeah, that's, that's so, so you can ludicrous very much to me. So you can very much so say that all white culture is Western culture, but not all Western culture is, is white, white culture. culture. Right. And, and, and to act like it's white, like, like, like American values are, are white ignores the fact that, that we've built this country and, and other European countries uh, at times on the backs of and at better times hand in hand with people of all ethnicities. Uh, we've borrowed mathematics from from other places. We engineers and, and builders and 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 people would claim rock and roll is white and you're going to ignore that rock and roll was a was a black creation like mm. the, the influence of the original uh, black rock and roll musicians on country music. For yeah. God's sake, you can't you can't claim country music is white. There is literally no valuable part of white culture that that hasn't been influenced. Well, I want to clarify though. I think it's because it it breaks down as a whole, right? I, I don't think you can claim rock and roll is black because I mean, quite frankly, Led Zeppelin wasn't black. And look at where <laughs> they put rock and roll, right? It is a group effort. It is. Rock and roll belongs to the human race. Right. <laughs> Our country music belongs to the human race. Maybe some of you don't want to claim it, and that's fine. Well, and, and all the factors that go into to any mod, any present-day reality, it's like a knot, and you're trying to untangle an impossible knot. 
You yeah. just you you first off, we don't have the information to go back that far. Second off, why would you? Who cares? Yeah. So you can feel pride in yourself for for being born to a black family or being born to a white family. Yeah. Like I just <laughs> there's something so incompatible with my worldview there. Well, I do want to say that that I can understand having pride in in a nation or pride in your ancestry or pride in your culture. I, I wouldn't say that we should do away with a sense of pride in those things altogether. I think there's nothing wrong with taking pride in in the sense that we did, right? Like whether it's your country, your your ancestry, or your or your culture. It's when you conflate it with only we could. Mm. It's when you try to say, you know, for instance, going back to to William the Conqueror, if again, if you want to be proud of, you know, William the Conqueror, you know, coming from your nation or being in your ancestry or, or your any culture ethnic or group whatever, you choose to draw, that's wherever fine. you choose to draw. But to that say line. that Pacific Islanders can't take part in that, you know, it's like, no, man, it's like, what would ever prevent them from doing so? And, and don't get me wrong, I don't think. You know that there's anything wrong with with taking pride in in your nation or or your church group or you know uh, your heritage, any of yeah. that. I just don't understand it, and 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 it's probably like I wasn't raised around um, people who cared about their heritage. You know, like I mm-hmm. I wasn't told the stories of back in the day in Ireland. You know what I'm saying? I yeah, didn't yeah. I didn't have any of those things to hang on to. Um, so so maybe I just I don't get it. We had Christmas dinners. You know, we had stories about about my great grandparents. Um, they were missionaries to China and brought Western medicine to China at a time where missionaries were being were being killed yeah. um, by China. They were heroes, and and I don't take pride in that. Like I, I, t- I I'm proud of people for doing that, and I'm proud that that those people did that. But like I feel no direct connection to that. And maybe mm-hmm. it, maybe there's something wrong with me. Well, no, you know? I mean, but not necessarily. Like, why do I get to say because because my great grandparents fucked and then and then they fucked and then they fucked and now I'm here? Like I get to somehow belong to that? It it's I, it's not it's not necessary. But I think like to me, you almost put like too much of it. You try you it's you're you're building the position that somebody's trying to claim too much of it as if you yourself had brought the word to China and medicine and stuff. <laughs> no, it's it's not like that. Well, it's, isn't that it? Isn't so, it? In the case of a, a white nat- nationalist, isn't that it? Like, I myself yes. possess the genetics. In the case of a white nationalist, but that's what I'm saying. That's the extreme position. There, There is nothing wrong in, in, the, in the middle. Like, for instance, if we take something like Viking culture, yeah. right? Like, Viking culture is as cool as any other culture. If you want to take pride in an ancestral link to the Vikings, feel free. If you find things in Viking culture that you respect and you feel bolstered and feel more empowered to, to, to be those things because you have a link, you know what I'm saying? Like for instance, you know, with me, uh, it was, there was no question that we were Irish when I, you know, when I was growing up and stuff. And I look at how the, how the Irish, like, it's just never, I mean, don't get me wrong. We waxed and we waned, but over 900 years, we resisted the British. You know what I'm saying? And I say we because they did it and I'm descended from them. And it it makes me feel bolstered to attempt to do something the spe- like that. The spirit of it's the, the spirit, spirit of, of them live on I mean, through you. I, I think I think we do have a habit in society now to say that, you know, to simultaneously say that, 
you know, uh, black people and Mexican people, you should be proud of your, your culture and heritage, but white people, you can't, it's taboo. Mm. And I understand and I empathize with where that's coming from. Again, yeah. let's go back to Viking culture, right? Viking culture has been co-opted by hate movements. In fact, that's one of the, like the recruitment strategies is, Hey, yo, look at all this cool <laughs> Viking shit. We're really just Vikings. So, so we have to recognize that and not allow that to be a part of the the method and ways that we take pride in our, mm. you know, our ancestry and not let it get out of control. But at the same time, I, you know, I, if you're trying to knock somebody for taking inspiration or from feeling, um, uh, you know, again, a sense of empowerment, you know, it's, it's to me, I think we were talking about it last night and I was like, you know, it, it can even happen on like a state level. You know, like I remember back when we were uh, when we were doing hip hop and stuff, and you know, somebody from Kentucky would succeed, and you'd be like, "Yeah, Kentucky <laughs> yeah, music." You okay, know what I mean? Yeah. That's all it is. It's not like you wrote the song, but for them. but you know what that really was? That was a way to 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 gain promotion. It was like it was like if we band together as a, as a group on these lines, we can promote each other and 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 raise all ships together. And I think that's very much what na what nationalism and ethno nationalism attempts to do. That's what ethno nationalism <laughs> attempts to you, and that may have been your viewpoint on why you were excited that somebody from Kentucky made it. But it was certainly not mine. Mine was just like, hell, man, I got a shot. Somebody else from Kentucky Someone made else it. From Kentucky, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I was just being a selfish capitalist. <laughs> well, fair enough. <laughs> The, it does raise the question, when you do have that kind of attitude, right, where, you know, we have this climate in politics today where, you know, people normally from the left will say that it's not okay uh, for you to be proud of, you know, white culture, like all white pride is racism. You get ideas right. like that. And, and you've seen the, the bounce back with the posters that it's okay to be white. Yeah, you see the it's okay to be white and stuff. And those aren't okay. And so yeah, because, and those aren't because okay. Because they are being used as white supremacists. Because they are being called. Yeah, it's very <laughs> <Propaganda>. complicated. <laughs> but so is there a risk um, in society today of white people being oppressed? And the reason we bring it up is because one of the huge ethno-nationalist talking points is the great replacement conspiracy theory. Because at the end of the day, it is a conspiracy theory. But basically, it's it's a the idea that white culture and the white population at large is being progressively replaced with non-European people, specifically, you know, Arab, Berber, Middle Eastern, North African, and Sub-Saharan African immigrants to Europe. You know, in this case over here, it'd be, you know, with uh, Mexican immigrants. And right, so on through and mass so forth. migration but tactics. But through mass migration and demographic growth, that eventually the white culture and the white population is going to be crowded out or at least tamped down right. into uh, the minority. Oh, the humanity. <laughs> so I think while they do, the great replacement theory itself takes it to extreme ends, saying that there's this huge, vast globalist conspiracy to ensure that this happens. We can't ignore the fact that through the course of life, whites aren't going to be the majority in the U.S. for forever right. or in Europe for forever. And, and whites are straight up projected to become a minority in the U.S. by something like 2050. Uh, right. That's because of declining birth rates and increased immigration. So is it a valid concern that, that whites could, you know, become a minority and, well, well, and see and, and run the risk of being oppressed? Given, given the treatment of, of minorities historically by white people in the United States, like, yeah, I think that's a pretty valid concern. I think yeah. you're seeing some, some pushback. Um, you know, your Sarah's young, um, uh, you know, black people can't be racist to white people. If we allow that idea um, 
to to become real yeah. in a society where whites are now the minority like yeah. i think you're asking for uh you're asking for disaster yeah um no i think so I think so uh, my point is that i think there is some there's some valid fear that that white nationalists attach to mm-hmm. right and and it's valid because they're so racist and they they know how bad it can get <laughs> you yeah. know what i'm saying i yeah. think that's also why they kind of back off on the hatred, they're like, wait, wait, we can still be racist without being hate hatred without being haters, guys, right? Yeah, because we don't want them to hate us. Ah, oh, you know, it's it's well. Just to be clear, though, I think it's also a valid concern because of the overreach and the extremism on the part of the left. And again, while I empathize and understand with where it's coming from, that doesn't make it any more right. And that's why it's important to point out things and say. Why, you know, you're telling me that, you know, we should be multicultural and, and, and all this stuff, but you want to treat a, a pride in white culture differently. You want to treat this differently. And you're saying, well, it's because, you know, it's, it's the debate that we've always had. You, you, you want to bring everybody down or do or you, you want to lift raise everybody up? up? Right. And I think I understand the anger and the resentment sometimes carries over into wanting to just punish people. Like, for instance, with this issue, when you have you know, white people running around worrying about the fact that they're going to be my uh, minority and they're going to be treated awful. You want to smirk at them. You want to <laughs> yeah, laugh at them and yeah. be like, ah, it's not so fun. Is it shoes on the other foot? Right. But we have to, to be the better versions of ourselves that we always ask white people to be. We have to put that aside. We have to put that away. You know, that, that is the path that led the white majority to do that to begin with. Is it not? Yeah. I, I think we have to understand and you're kind of dumb if you don't think that that white people becoming a minority would be at risk of being oppressed, especially given their historical behavior towards minorities, or really human, the, the historical human behavior yeah. uh, of treatment of minorities in whatever country or or you know organization or group that it may be. Yeah. Um, but I, when it comes to culture being erased and and replaced, like I don't think there's any risk of that. And and it's funny because. Go back to Jared Taylor, and he, and he talks about, you know, oh, all these immigrants are just coming to America for a first world paycheck uh, and says they have no interest in becoming Western the way we are. But meanwhile, a Japanese immigrant's daughter is like wearing blue jeans on her iPhone, listening to Taylor Swift, uh-huh. texting her friends emojis, and, 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 and black people all over America are begging to be part of Western culture, right? They want some of that for all. Yeah, they want right. some of that justice for all. So like you, the, the argument on its face is just ludicrous because people come to America for whatever you're branding as white culture. It's not white. That's why yeah. they want to come. Yeah, right, <laughs> but right. that's why it's so, so alluring because it welcomes all. Uh, and you're, and you're missing out on that. Like I, I cannot picture an ethno, a white nationalist to me has to be someone who's never spent any appreciable amount of time with black people or with Mexican people. Uh, mm. it, maybe I'm just special and I can get along with folks, but I can't imagine my life without them and they can't imagine a life with them. Right. Like I just, I can't, <laughs> I, I don't understand. A white nationalist made the argument to me that multiculturalism was a failure and I was flabbergasted. <laughs> like, is there anyone out there who questions wh- whether it's a failure? Right. I mean, you you would pretty much have to be saying that 
America is a failure because that's, I mean, America is multiculturalism. So on one hand, you're saying that we have this greatest culture in the world and people are flocking here because they can benefit economically from it and they want to come here and subvert it and, and gain control of it and all this stuff. Well, why? Right? Like why? You, you want to make the argument simultaneously that we are a complete failure and that everyone wants to come here. And, and the two don't now, now I'll, I'll give them the caveat that if we continue to focus on race as an end all be all distinction, then yes, multiculturalism will fail. If we continue attempting to do that, you know, dragging one down and not lifting all up, then yes, yes. it will fail. But I think now is, the, I, I think this is a perfect point to talk about what we actually do have here in America. And it's not ethno-nationalism. It's something called civic nationalism, right? We all subscribe to a set of liberal ideals. Ideally, that's, that's what we all do. Uh, you know, Western values is how they're, they're traditionally referred to. And that's, like you said, liberty, justice for all, freedom, equality. Freedom of press. All those things. Now, now we don't always, obviously... Uh, you know, follow those values through. We don't always do a great job. That's but, imperfect. But the I, it's imperfect. We're, but the idea here in America is that that's what we're working towards. That's where we're heading towards, and that is what we can take pride in. Not as it, it's not that white people brought equality and and justice and freedom. It's as Americans, we can be very proud in in the ideas that our country attempts to uphold. And that, on that basis, we can then turn and ask people when they come to our country to assimilate with those ideals. Right. Right. So that you were talking earlier about the things that you have to give up when you come to, you know, when you come to the melting pot. And that's exactly what it is. Anything that is in contradiction to freedom of press, freedom of the religion, liberty uh, and justice, liberty and justice for all. Those are the things that you're going to have to check at the door. Now, you can, like I said, come into the country and state your case for why you think it should be differently, and we'll all talk about it, and we'll see if that's the way we want to go right. with things. That's right. But that's where it is. You know, you, you do have to accept the fact that this is the way that we do things. That, to me, is a sound basis for attempting to run a nation state. Right. And I think anything, you know— Anything more than that, if we're talking about, you know, things like bloodlines and stuff is, is lunacy, but anything less than that is lunacy saying, you know, oh, well, you know, all culture, you know, cultural relativism, like I mentioned earlier, all cultures are equal and, you know, I'm not going to shit on you because that's just the way you're, no, 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 man. We do have a line that says, this is kind of what we need you to buy into because if you're not buying into this, it doesn't work. Then you didn't want to do this. You yeah. wanted to do something else, you know? So I, I very much so don't see an issue with civic nationalism. However, I will admit there are people who say that because we're requiring that civilization, that assimilation, that civic nationalism is no better, no worse than ethno-nationalism. Right. It's and just I, as racist and, and discriminatory uh, because you're not giving value to the cultures uh, that are coming in, that are incoming. Right. Right. And, you're and, saying they're worse. And, and, and I, to, to those people, I say like, are you willing to look me in the eye and say that uh, a culture that accepts stoning gay people is not worse than a culture who does not accept stoning <laughs> yeah, gay people? I mean, like, I'm going to laugh at you. At some point, you have to make that judgment. I'm, I'm going to laugh at yeah. you. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I, we, can, we can safely say that. Like, that is a, that is a cultural element that, that I think is bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, like, what's, what's interesting to me is that the reason 
the reason on one hand you have, you know, people who argue that assimilation is bad because, uh, you know, you're, you're erasing parts of their culture and stuff. And, and like you said, I mean, I think that's silly. If there's shitty parts to your culture, there's shitty parts to your culture. There's shitty parts to our culture. If I, if I went somewhere that didn't buy into consumerism, I would be more than happy to check that at the door. You know what I mean? It's, it's, you know. Well, and the idea that we're not fighting against the bad part of our culture is, is ludicrous too. I mean, yeah, look yeah. at, and, and, and assimilation is so real. The Baptist church just split on gay marriage. Right. So right. like, like even, even our inbuilt white ethnic uh, yeah. cultural organizations are shifting and changing to adapt to American values. Yeah. That shows you right there. It's not white. It's not Christian. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that you say that even the Baptists are changing their minds, right? See, that's on the left. You have the argument against assimilation that, you know, you're going to, you're going to stomp out the uniqueness of these other cultures and stuff. But with these ethno nationalists, what they tend to kind of fall back on is that you can't change people's minds is that everything's set in stone. And that's an idea that I'm seeing grow more and more, whether we're talking left or right, like, yeah. you know, with all the bipartisanship today and everything, everyone's saying, well, you can't change your minds. Why you know, even there's try? No, there's no use talking to Nazis or commies, yada, yada, yada. And to me, that is, that shows an amazing lack of faith in whatever it is that you're promoting, right? Mm. For them to say that no one can fall, you know, no one's going to change their mind and and align themselves more closely with our Western values shows a lack of faith in those in Western, Western values. values. I think they're pretty great. I think equality and freedom for all and, and, you know, all that stuff is outstanding. And I have full faith that if the case is laid out, a reasonable, part, a reasonable person will be like, well, hell yes. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and if not, if not by laying out the case, by seeing it in person. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think one of the things that we're going to have to accept is that ethno-nationalism isn't even a feasible way. Uh, it's not a feasible structure moving forward. And what I mean by that is, hey, look, man, I, I lean right and I really dislike globalism as it stands, right? I, I, I don't care for it. I don't think we're ready for it. I don't think we're ready to ditch nation states. Yeah, we haven't figured out how to apportion power among nations to the people. Yeah. When we, when we add another step in above the nation, like how the heck is any person down here at the ground going to have any power up at the top of, of, of the global structure? No, you're absolutely right. And, and so I share, you know, that's another valid concern amidst the sea of racism that ethno-nationalists have is, is our move towards globalism. But at the end of the day, we've got to figure it out because I'm going to tell you right now, we are not going to reach for the stars as a collection of nation states. If you think that we're going to go to space or that, that humanity is going to continue to progress and we're all going to be in our nice little tight countries and stuff, and there'll be the Russian part of space and the Chinese part of space and the Mexican part of space, it's just not going to happen, man. Eventually, the, the planet, we are going to globalize as a society. The space race is a perfect example, too, because we very largely haven't gone to space without, hand, without being hand-in-hand with with other nations and ethnicities. Yeah, you have to. <laughs> like NASA wouldn't have gotten off the ground. Yeah, so it's not a question of has multiculturalism failed, which is laughable, but it's it's the plain and simple fact that for us to progress as a species, multiculturalism has to work. We've got to figure it out. Right. I mean, and and that's just and I, I, fuck I, I don't your mind, ethno-nationalist argument. I don't mind seeing us go gray like it, 
interracial marriages, like the diversity of genetics uh, has a chance to be expressed in all sorts of wild ways by mixing these these genetic uh, pools that that may, you know, purity, whatever. But by mixing these different genetic pools, we have the chance to see all sorts of wild genetic expressions. Why not? Yeah, there's there's no reason not to. And and it, it, the parts of culture of all of those different cultures that are good, we, we will fold them in. Yeah. to the new culture and 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 drive forward and be stronger for it and create new cultures out of it like yeah. i i just i think this whole conversation is is one of the biggest enemies to progress and 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 it's funny because throughout this uh this this whole sense and theory podcast uh thing we've done for for years you know this has kind of been one of those things that's in the background that comes up here and there with trump and everything um and and I have had a tendency to kind of downplay it and say, oh, well, it's not, it's not that big. And I still think it's not that big. Yeah. But I'm starting to see that it's way more dangerous than I had initially thought. Like I said, I never thought that someone that I knew personally would come out in public as a white nationalist. Hmm. Um, and to him, I say, come have a barbecue. Spend some time with my father-in-law, who is a Mexican immigrant, and let him tell you about the things he finds valuable about American culture. You might be really surprised to find a lot of those values aligned directly with yours. Um, I I can change your mind. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> well, I think that brings us to what ultimately might be the most interesting thing that happens today. And that's that we get to watch Benzo attempt to criticize us without supporting ethno-nationalism. Because right? as you all know, if you don't support Antifa, then you obviously support fascists. Right. So, Beanzo, let's watch you walk that tightrope, my friend. Buddies, buddies, you just don't understand. Why would I criticize you guys today? The whole time we've been doing the show, a year and a half since, not years, I've been asking you guys to turn in a quality episode. 60 episodes in, here we are. You finally recorded something I would listen to. Well, leave on in the background anyway. I'm proud of you guys. And I don't see the need to bust your balls. Fellas, back to... Hold, hold up. What You like today's episode? Yeah. I thought you guys took a firm stand. And- oh, so now that we're taking a position you agree with 100%, you've got nothing. Well, yeah, when you stand for something, that matters. No, no, we killed it like we always kill it, and you're just afraid to nitpick us today because you don't want to sound like a racist. Shit. Afraid? Since Jared Taylor is not the leader of Identity Europa, and even if he were, that's not the largest white nationalist organization. Its 800 members pales in comparison to, say, the 300,000 members of the online hate forum Stormfront. Maybe you saw those numbers on Reddit. Very sure as hell cited random numbers he saw on Reddit to support his point. Love that rigor. Why would I expect proper sourcing from a guy who says bipartisanship when he clearly means partisanship? Poor old tongue-tied theory. So, do you guys want to talk about how you could do a whole episode about ethno-nationalism and not mention Israel because... Okay, Beans. Okay, point taken. Why can't y'all just let me love you? It ain't gonna happen often. Uh, Okay, Beans. We're we're glad you liked the episode. Thank you. And for those Jesus. out there in listener land, today. Uh, if you enjoyed the episode, come check us out on our social networks. We're on Reddit. We're on Facebook. Uh, we're on Twitter. 
All of the links are in the show notes. Uh, check out the website, senseandtheorypodcast.com, or swing by the Patreon and see what we've got going on there. <sighs> that was that was that was brutal. Um uh are we doing a you, you already said Taylor Swift today. Are we doing a Taylor Swift today? Uh funny you say that. Uh you remember way back when people started saying Taylor Swift's refusal to speak out against white nationalism and white supremacy was her approval of of white supremacy. Yes, yes. Okay, and she just wrote a letter to her senator and she also made a statement that her upcoming album is going to contain some political material. So what? Well, I think it might, might maybe be about time to do an episode on Tay-Tay. I will fight you right now. Hey, y'all, this is Beanzo, beloved star of the critically acclaimed show, The Bean Pod. I want to thank all of you for taking a moment to check out my side project, The Sense and Theory Podcast. Remember, if you need an extra dose of truth and integrity between shows, you can find all the links to contact my social media team at senseandtheorypodcast.com. You can also join the movement sweeping the nation by donating five bucks a month and becoming an official Beanzo buddy at patreon.com slash senseandtheory. And finally, don't forget that my segments normally start somewhere between 55 minutes or an hour in. So you can always just skip ahead to the best part. Thanks. This is your gracious host, Beanzo, signing off.